Uh, some of you know about New Hope and you know that we have different churches around the state and globally that we have different New Hopes around. And uh, Pastor Fernando Castillo, he is the senior pastor of New Hope in Diamond Head. So if you ever visit Oahu, uh, you can go visit them and uh, go check them out. Uh, they're, at, they're in uh, Diamond Head. And they, uh, they just have a wonderful, wonderful ministry. I've built a relationship with Pastor Fernando and, and some of their uh, leaders and, and their church. But he's going to come this morning and just share a little bit about God's will. Because I think we all want to know that. And so Pastor Fernando and he and his wife, uh, Karen, who's going to be here third service. They have two boys, Daniel and David. And Pastor Fernando just has a wonderful heart for people. And he was our main speaker for this past weekend for our Next Gen Conference. So I thought it would be such a wonderful idea for him to come and speak to us uh, as a church and uh, just bring God's word towards us and for us to learn and grow from. So could you welcome with me a new hope welcome to Pastor Fernando Castillo. goodness what a joy for me what a privilege to be here in New Hope Hilo man this is like where the big guys come out from you know like like Wayne Cordero Alex Pacheco BJ Penn you know like all those guys come out of here this is awesome this is exciting I'm so excited I just want to honor the man of God and and the woman of God that God has for this season on this church, Pastor Sheldon, Heidi, they're such a blessing. You guys are so blessed. Would you please honor them as we thank the Lord for the great ministry. Man, I, I've been wanting to come to here. What a great opportunity to be here speaking to you I, I, ever since I met Sheldon. And, and actually, once I, I find out that he was going to be the pastor, I was, I was been telling him, Man, I would love to go and speak one day over there. And he goes like, no, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you, you, you need to, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay. So after a while, I, I ask him, ah, you know, you know, remember when you told me I wasn't ready? I'd be working on it. My church is doing great. Would you think that I can come and speak? And, and no, I don't think you, you're ready yet. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so bummed. So third time, recently, I go to him and said, Pastor Sheldon, I've been really wanting to go to Hilo. I've been wanting to go to speak in your church. I will do whatever it takes. I will go for free. He goes, can you see that again? Oh, I will go for free. <laughs> now you're ready. You're ready to come. So here I am. I'm ready to rock and roll. Praise the Lord. Amen. So will you please take out your message notes? I know that you guys are, are doing a series called Foundations. And uh, one of the things that I think are so foundational for a relationship with God is to know His will. How many of you want to know God's will for your life? Yeah. All the time I got people, probably several times a week, people ask me, Pastor Fernando, how do I know what's God's will for my life? How do I discern what is that God wants for us? And we start with these questions when, when, we're, when we're kids, right? Right? Do I play soccer? Do I play football? Do I play this? Do I play that? Do I go to band? Do I go to choir? And as we keep going growing up, the, the older we get, the, 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 the same questions keep coming up. When we are ready to graduate from high school, we go, should we, should we just go to college or should we just go straight to work? 
And if you choose to go to college, what college are you going to go? Anywhere you go to college, what kind of major are you going to go? And there's always those questions and you're trying to find out what is it that I should be doing. And then when you're done with college, work is coming. So should I, should I get a job here? Should I move there? Should I go back to over there? Should I move to Hilo? Should I go? Where do I got to go? And then finally when you make a decision, now you're single. And then you meet this other person. And you go, is it God's will or not to get together? And finally you end up marrying this person. And once you got married with this person, you're wondering, okay, is God's will to have kids? No, should we wait? And when it's time, should we have two? Should we have four? Should we have eight? And you just keep wondering and you get together. And you're wondering, should we rent a house? Should we buy a house? Should we have a dog? Should we have a cat? Now, if you know me, I'm a dog person. So I say dog is always God's will to have dogs. <laughs> Easy for me. But the question keeps coming, keeps coming. Should we buy a house? Should we rent? Should we buy a car? Should we have two cars? The question is always about making decisions according to God's will. Some of you are probably visiting this morning. You're wondering, should we make this church or home church or not? You know, those kind of decisions. What is God's will for my life? And the questions go on and on and on. How do we know of all those options what's God's will? Well, maybe if you're like me, sometimes we play some games with God, right? We tell the Lord, well, if it's your will, then make this happen. How many of you have done that? Okay, God, if it's your will, make this happen. Okay, God, if it's your will, as soon as I get the street light, turn it green. And if there's no, there's no, I mean, it's your will, it's your will. I know some of you then come to church and you're single and you're wondering, Father, if she says hi to me, it's probably your will that I invite her out. <laughs> You play games with God. Some of us, we do the, pro, the pros and cons list, right? We're making a decision. We take a piece of, okay, the pros, okay, it's good. The cons, uh. So if the pros are really heavy, we go, oh, it's God's will. If the cons are really heavy, we go, it's devil. It's the devil just wanted to just not let me do. And we always play games with God. We always do when it comes to making decisions. But what we're going to do today is uh, 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 we're going to look in the scripture and we're going to find a foundation of how to seek God's will, okay? So what we did in our church in, in, in Diamond Head, we did this kind of little video to help us understand an illustration. We're going to use soccer today. Some of you soccer fans, you're going to love this. Um, but we use soccer as an illustration. So we did this video kind of explaining uh, kind of the will of God, the difference, the, di the different wills of God. There's kind of three. So we're going to look at them in this, this video. So uh, our team is going to be ready. So let's take a look. Question is, how do we know what's God's will for our lives? Well, we're going to use this soccer goal uh, as boundaries to understand three categories for the will of God. So this post is going to represent the first category of the will of God. That is the providential will of God. Write that down. The providential will of God. 
What is that? Well, that's the will of God that has already been predetermined uh, no matter what, no matter you like it or not. Just to give you an example, when God decided to send his son Jesus on the first Christmas day, that was predetermined by God, whether you like it or not, whether you pray for it or not, it's going to happen. The same thing is when Jesus comes back the second time for his bride, it's going to happen no matter what, no matter if you believe it or not. Now, some people may be outside of the providential will of God because they don't believe that God has predetermined certain things in this world. No matter what, whether you believe it or not, the providential will of God is going to happen. Okay? That's the providential will of God. Okay, now on this side, this post represents the moral will of God. Write that down. The moral will of God. Now, what is that? Well, the moral will of God is that will that God reveals in the scripture. is his moral way for us to live. Now, let me ask you this. Let me give you actually an example. Would it be okay, according to the moral will of God, to have premarital sex? No, that will be outside the moral will of God. Would it be okay to be harsh on your spouse? Nope, that's not the right moral will of God. What about lying or cheating on your taxes? Would that be okay? No, that's being outside of the moral will of God. Okay, so far we have two categories. We have the providential will of God that what is going to happen no matter what, whether you like it or not. And we have the moral will of God. It's God's will revealed in the scripture for our daily lives. Now, somewhere in between, in addition to these two categories, we have the personal will of God. That's the will of God for you specifically. Somewhere in between the providential will of God and the moral will of God, there's the personal will of God. That's what God wants specifically for your life. Now, this is the key part that we need to understand. The more you understand the providential will of God, the will of God in this world no matter what, and the more you live by the moral will of God, that will then is revealing the scriptures for us to follow God's instructions for living, the more you will be able to discern God's personal will for your own life. Okay, let me say that again. The more you understand God's providential will, and the more you live according to the moral will of God, the better chance you have to discern God's personal will for your life. Well, let me explain it to you this way. Okay, so let me just tell you the story of a young man in our church. Um, when we started uh, our church six years ago, there was this young man that was struggling a lot in, in his life with being a fully devoted follower of Christ. So he had a foot with the Lord, a foot in this world. So he wanted to really become a fully devoted follower of Christ. We started to mentor him, and his life was uh, completely changed by the power of God. It was amazing to see his transformation. But as I got to know him, uh, I was talking to him one day, and I told him, you know what, I really think that um, probably you should go to the mainland back home and, and be with your parents for a season. 
And, and he said, no way, I, I love Hawaii. I love this church. I don't want to leave. So after a couple of months, he came back to me and he said, you know, Pastor Fernando, I think you're right. I think I should be going home after I graduate from UH and spend some time at home with my parents. Now, many people will wonder, how do you know that? How do you know that that was God's will? Well, it would be cool to tell you that God told me, but He didn't. But one thing that I knew is the providential will of God. The providential will of God says that He doesn't want anybody to perish, but to come to eternal life. And my friend, all his relatives were lost. None of them followed Christ. He was the only one following Christ. I also know the moral will of God. And my friend had a lot of problems here at home. You see, he, here in Hawaii, he had a lot of party friends that could easily bring him down in his relationship with God. Also, financially, he was struggling. So I knew that going back home and spending a season with his parents would be a good thing for him. Now, six months later, uh, he read me a really nice email and he's telling me, Fernando, that was the best decision I could ever have made in my entire life. You know, recently I was able to lead my father to Christ. You see, he and his dad had a tough, tough, tough relationship. He was not only able to lead him to Christ, but also to restore that relationship with his father. Not only that, but many people in his family saw the testimony of God's power in this relationship and many of them started to walk in our relationship with Christ. His finances got much better to the point that as he writes me his email at the end, and I know that it's time now to go back to Hawaii to get some training because God is calling me to serve him in ministry. And today my friend is a missionary in Indonesia. How do I know that? Well, I didn't. I just knew the providential will of God, the moral will of God, and he found out the personal will of God for his life. So what about our church? Should we plant another church next year? Well, let's see if we can make another shot on this. Okay. So if I make this one, we are planting another church this year. Okay, here we go. Ready, Daniel? That was my bad, sorry. <laughs> that little guy over there, that was my oldest son, that he will be a little later today. But let's just review what we just learned in this video, okay? Very quick, maybe you missed one of the fill-ins, you know? Uh, those of you that, that kind of don't like to miss those, here we go, another chance. First of all, we have the providential will of God, right? That, those are the margins that we have, the providential will of God is the will of God that is gonna happen no matter what. Uh, Jesus is gonna come again for his bride. And whether you pray for it or against it, it's going to happen. It's predestined. It's the providential will of God. We also have the other boundary. That's the moral will of God. That's the will of God revealing the scriptures. And the chances are that when we live inside those boundaries, inside the providential will of God and the moral will of God, it's easier to discern, right, the personal will of God for our lives. And right there in your notes, it says, the more we get to know the providential will of God, 
And the more we get to live according to the moral will of God, the better we will discern the personal will of God. All of us, we want to learn God's personal will, okay? But what we're going to do today is going to focus actually in the moral will of God. In that part, live inside of the moral will of God. Why? Because sometimes we focus so much in the personal will of God that sometimes we don't even realize if we are outside or inside the moral will of God. So we're going to focus today on that. And I'm sure then, then as, as you keep walking with the Lord, He will reveal that personal will of God for your life. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Very short verse, but it's a powerful verse because it reveals God's will for our, li- for our lives. You see, uh, we need to learn how to live in the correct side of the moral will of God. We need to make sure that we're not living in sin outside of the moral will of God. That's why this verse is going to help us. Actually, there's two verses, but the first one is this. First Thessalonians 4, chapter 3. Why don't we read that all together? Ready? Go. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, that word sanctified is a kind of churchy word, okay? So, you, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, the word sanctified means to be purified, to be without impurity, to be without pollution. That is God's will. Then you and I are cleansed. There's no sin in us. That's God's will for our lives, for us to be sanctified. It's God's will that we will be sanctified by living on the correct side of the moral will of God. In this world, we, we have the tendency to be outside of that moral will of God. That's when we get all polluted, dirty. But on this side, which is God's will for us to be, that's when we experience His cleansing power. We, he cleanses for all the impurities of the temptations of this world. Now, there's another verse. Now, this time it's Peter. First Peter, chapter 4. We're going to read two verses, verses 2 and 3. Ready? All together. Go. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. No. You see what? Peter here is talking about the kind of life that we should live after we start walking with Christ. In the past... When we were outside of that moral will, on the other side of that boundary, oh, we were in big trouble. And now he's saying, now that you're on this side, you're in the correct side of the will of God, there's something different about you. You're in the will of God. And, and let's for a, moment, for, a, for a minute, just let's be honest, okay? Sometimes being outside of the moral will is kind of fun, isn't it? Oh, come on, don't go to church <laughs> religious on me, holy people. Come on, we know that. Sometimes being outside of the will of God is fun. Ooh. It's like my friend uh, then, then, then tells me, then, you know what? Um, he, he, he tells me, you know, Pastor Fernando, I have this obnoxious neighbor. This crazy neighbor. 
and he drives me crazy year after year. He gives me a hard time. I just have a hard time. And, and, and my friend, I just want to do this. He said, no, but you, you, know, you need to be a Christian. You need to be a Christian. You need to love your neighbors. Oh, but it's hard. It's hard. So one day my neighbor, you know, he's driving. He's right next, right next to my lawn. So he parked his car and all the windows were down. So you know, Pastor, what I did? I turned all my sprinklers on. <laughs> and water all his car in. Fun! <laughs> of course, being outside of the will of God, sometimes it's going to be fun. But it doesn't make it right, isn't it? Still wrong. You know, some people today, some people today are living outside the boundaries of the moral will of God. And then they're wondering, how come my life is not going well? How come I feel like I'm missing God's will for my life? Well, because you're outside of the moral will of God. And that's the reason why God wants you inside, on the correct side of the moral will, is so you can discern His personal will for your life. But when we are outside of that moral will, we're in big trouble. Yeah, it is fun for a little while to be outside of the moral will of God, but it's probably the most dangerous place you could be. It's probably one of the most dangerous places to be. So, we're going to look at the, ba- the basics here. So it's, it, it, it's God's will, then you should be sanctified, right? We read that in the scripture. Paul tells us in Thessalonians that we should be inside of these boundaries of God's will. Now, what today, today what we're going to do, honestly, is to deal with sin. We're going to deal with this. We're going to talk about sin. And, and theologians have put this together and have wondered how, how this works. And what we're going to do is look at two kinds of sins. That's how theologians have kind of categorized all sins. The first one, if you're writing these down, is sins of commission. Sins of commission. These are the sins that we commit. The things that, that we're not supposed to do, but do we, that we end up doing. Things that we're not supposed to do, we know that it's wrong, but we end up doing. And, and, and the Apostle Paul talks about this all the time. In, in fact, in, in the book of Romans, he, 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 he's, he wrestles with this. In, in chapter 6, he goes, man, if we're going to be forgiven anyway, because we are, because we, God's mercy is so huge, why don't we just have some fun? What's the big deal? At the end, God is going to forgive us. So let's go outside of the moral will of God and just like have a lot of fun. Because he will have mercy on us. But as he wrestles with this, he kind of asks a rhetorical question and then he answers it. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, he says this. Shall we go on on sinning so that grace may increase? That's what he's asking. And what does he say? No way, Jose! By no means. No way. We died to our sin. How can we live in this any longer? He's saying there's no way. Once you have come from that side, there's no way you should go back to that side. But our propensity to sin is still there. Even though that propensity to sin died with Christ at the cross. And the same spirit, listen, the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave lives inside of each one of us, convicting us towards sanctification, towards holiness. 
How can we continue to live outside of the protective loving boundaries of God? That's what Paul is asking. How can we live out there again? How can we be so foolish to live outside of God's perfect moral will revealed in his scriptures? Well, let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we do this. Because sometimes it doesn't make any sense. After we've been saved, why we struggle going back to the old ways? Well, the scripture pretty much tells us that we are like sheep, right? Sheep, right? I know sometimes my accent, you know, I say, say cheap. No, I'm not saying cheap. Like, like, paquet. No. Sheep. Like, okay? So the scripture says that we're like sheep. Now, what does a sheep do? What they do? They go, they go nibble, nibble, nibble. They look at green pastors over there and they go, eh, So they go, nibble, 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 eat green pastors. When they're full, they lift up, they get green pastors over there. They keep going, nibble, 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 nibble. They got here, they lift up again, green pastors over here. They keep going, they keep going, they be going, they're close to the cliff. And suddenly, when the sheep lift up his head, he said, where am I? I'm lost. They're so far away from the place that they're supposed to be. The scripture tells us that we're like that. We're just like them. Step by step, we wander away from the protective care of our shepherd. And some of you will will wake up probably today, probably one day soon, saying, how did I end up here? How could I miss God's perfect will, personal will for my life? How did I end up here? What happened? What did I, what am I doing wrong in my life? And the question will be, because we walk outside of the protective boundaries of our loving God. So one question that I want you, I want you to wrestle with two questions today and, and, and for days to come. Maybe you're already in a small group. You have a group of men. You have a group of men that you are accountable with. Ladies, you have a group of ladies. You pray constantly. Some of you married couples. You, you, you pray together. You, you disciple one another. Whatever group you have, or maybe on your own with a Christian friend, this is a great thing to talk about this week. And it's a question that I will say, there's a line there to fill out. You, you probably can start feeling it today but it's a very important question to wrestle with is this what are you doing outside of the moral will of God and there's some lines there see mine looks like the whole page I can fill it out because there's a lot of things that I know that I'm not supposed to do but I end up doing and take some time starting today wrestle with this start writing it down the things that you're doing outside of the moral will of God. In other words, what are you doing that you shouldn't be doing? Now, some of you hyper-spiritual people, you will say, oh, I, 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 I'm doing good. I haven't done anything wrong. Right, right there, right pride. Right there. <laughs> That's the first one. Because we all are like sheep and we all walk, walk away. We all have something there. Something that we struggle with. You see, what are you doing that is outside of God's will? It could be that you have still, you have incredible lossful thoughts all the time. And you struggle with that. It could be that you're gripped in a very materialistic world. Where you think that, that everything is for yourself. And you believe that, that you need more things, more money. And then you will be happy. 
Or it could be that you're married and you're disrespecting your spouse. You're not submitted to one another in genuine love. It could be that you have a rebellious attitude against your parents or against God. See, it could be, it could be that, 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 that you, you're full of envy or full of pride or full of greed where you gossip all the time. Uh oh And you're just bitter. And you're harboring unforgiveness. You have a hard time forgiving someone. Whatever you do, then it's not according to the will of God. Or maybe you're just so negative. Negative, negative. How come Pastor Sheldon is not there today? I want to to see Pastor Sheldon. How come they bring this guy? I don't even understand. What... <laughs> you just criticize everything. You're so negative. What is it that you're doing that is outside of the moral will of God? Wrestle with that. See, now some of you may say, well, I, I, I don't really know. I don't really don't know. I don't know what I'm doing then it's not according to God's will. And if that's where you are, let me explain what's likely what happened to you. Many of you, have you when you walk in a, in a, in a theater, in a movie theater, have, have you noticed how, how it's a hard, you have a hard time adapting to, to no lights? Like, almost like you start bumping on everybody. You come late to the movie, the lights are off, and you just like, until a few minutes, your eyes adapt. To the darkness and now you kind of you can see the chairs and people's heads so you don't bump them so, you know what I'm talking about so and after the movie's done and the lights come out it's almost like oh you cannot see again and then you're trying to find your way kind of you're blinded by light now can I argue then sometimes maybe the reason why you cannot see what's wrong what is you're doing outside of the moral will of God is you got so used to the darkness You got so used to the darkness, your eyes got adapted to it. And what you need today is probably the light of Jesus to come and shine in your heart so you're able to see that you're outside of the moral will of God. If that's you, I pray that you will have that today. I pray that God will show up in His love and show you His light. Let the light of Jesus reveal what's going on in the darkness of your life. Let your heart be broken by the things that break the very heart of God. When is the last time you come to just a point of a broken and humble repentance before God? When you really said, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. When was the last time? When you truly saw your tendency to walk away from the love of the shepherd. When was the last time? When you came and asked the Lord, forgive me for all the filth and all the trash that takes me outside of your will, Lord. Make me new and clean in every way. God, forgive me, transform me, change me. Those are the sins of commission. Sins of commission. What are you doing that you're not supposed to be doing? Also, there are other kinds of sins. Number two in your notes, if you're writing these down. Sins of omission. Sins of omission. And those are the things that we should be doing that we are not doing. James talks about those. James chapter 4, 17. Let's read that together. Ready? Go. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it? Sins. Sins of omission. Things that we know that we're supposed to be doing, but we're not doing. Okay? And the question there. In your notes, again, what are you not doing that you know God wants you to do? 
And again, my page, it will be like two, three pages long. See, what are you not doing that, you're, that you are supposed to do? A couple of things in my life. Let me just be transparent and let me share with you. I'm sharing this product. You will never invite me again, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a couple of things that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing, okay? I've been so overwhelmed lately. The last year, I've been so overwhelmed with work, uh, a church. It's been all-consuming, wearing me out like you wouldn't believe. And as a result, I dropped some of the most important things in my life which that is doing daily devotions with my family. Ooh, pastor. You're a pastor. Oh, yeah. But sometimes I, I just got so busy. I used to pray with my wife all the time, and now it's, it was, it was kind of getting not as consistent as it was. I have a nine-year-old son, and then, then I love to do devotions with him. And, and as I got busy, I started neglecting my time with him. We usually have devotions once a week, and... And I started to forget about it. And, and those are things that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing. One of the most important roles in my life as a father is to disciple my two kids. I have a nine-year-old and an eight-year-old. I should be doing that, and I have not. So 2011 is the year when I said, no way. I want to be consistent on this. I want to be working on this, doing devotions with my family. Another thing that I have not done and I should be doing has to do with our church and the ministry. There's so many things that God has called us to do, but we're not doing. Let me tell you why. Because kind of like, I like to be comfortable. I don't want to rattle the cage. Because I know if I do that, oh, a lot of work is going to come. We have to deal with so many things. God is putting it in our hearts that we need to plant another church. And this has been for years. And we're kind of postponing it because there's always an excuse for it. But this year in our church, we already made the decision. This is the year. We're not going to keep making excuses. We're going to plant another church. And we are. And, and I need to, to get doing what God wants me to do. But you see, many of us, God, we know what God wants us to do. But we're not doing it. We are not doing it. And those are the sins of omission. Maybe there's something that God is calling you to do and you've just been unwilling to do it. And kind of you kind of argue with God. Oh God, I know that you're, suppo you're telling me that I'm supposed to give this to help someone, but, but I don't know. Is this you or is this just the devil? I don't know. The devil again wants me to be generous. Uh, sure. And we wrestle with the Lord. You see, if you're feeling moved to do something that is consistent with Scripture, do it. Do it immediately. Remember this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whatever God is calling you to do, do it. Do it. Do what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're supposed to forgive someone. Year after year after year, you've been carrying on forgiveness for offenses that happened years ago. And God is calling you. It's time to forgive. Let this year be a year of freedom for you. Forgive. Forgive. Maybe you're supposed to give something to someone who is in need. Maybe you're supposed this year to start honoring God with good stewardship. And worship Him with their tithe. You're supposed to do that. 
And God has been calling you to do that, but there's so many excuses for it. You're, you're out here, you're dying financially, you're wondering, how come I cannot get personal, God's personal will for my life when you're outside of the moral will of God in that important part of your life? Things that we're supposed to be doing, but we're not doing. Maybe, maybe your spouse... Maybe your spouse is, is, is giving you a hard time and you know that you need to, you know what? I'm the one that needs to work on this. I'm not going to wait on her or on him. I'm going to do my part of what I need to do. See, so maybe you're supposed to use your gifts and serve somewhere here in this church. Maybe you're supposed to get involved in the church. Be a biblically, functionally follower of Christ. Where you're not anymore an spectator, but when you're a participant and you're serving somewhere. And you keep postponing, ah, oh, I'm too tired, oh, I don't want to let the other people do it. And God is calling you to do this. This is the time to do it. Do it. Maybe you're supposed to be in a small group. Maybe you're supposed to read the Bible and do devotions every day this year. Do it. Maybe, maybe you're supposed to start a ministry. Do it. Maybe you, there's a business. You are pregnant with this idea and you, 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 you know that it's not you. It's God giving you this desire to go out there in the marketplace and do this. But you're afraid of it. But God is saying today, it's time to go. It's time to go. Do it. Something that I'm putting in your heart, it's time to do it. Maybe there's something burning within you and you just haven't done it. What is it? When God calls you to do it, do it immediately. What are you doing that you're not supposed to be doing? And what are you not doing that you're supposed to be doing? Those are the things that keeps us outside of the moral will of God. And if you want to know God's personal will for your life, these specifics, you better do homework here. And I want to leave you, and I want to start closing with a couple of ideas. Because um, many at this point, many people come and say, man, I'm so messed up on this, Pastor Fernando. I don't know what to do. I've done so many things outside of the moral will of God. I've been for so long on this side, away from the protective love of the shepherd. I come to church. I believe in God. But I know that I'm doing things that I'm not supposed to do. And I know that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I, I, just, I just know I screw up way too big for God to still do something in my life. Well, you know, uh, uh, many of you, uh, you have those glory days of video games, right? I'm talking about the glory days. Some of you my age, I'm 30, pastor is 38, I'm 37. So we, we, we come with the glory days of video, when video games were fun. Pac-Man. Remember that? Space Invaders. There we go. Those are the good days. Frogger. Those are the good days of video games. But this, there was this video game called Asteroids, right? And they had the best graphics ever. I'm going to show you a, a clip. I think there's a, there's a picture that is going to come out. I think we have it. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an image I believe I sent it, but if not, that's okay. But it's, a, it's an image of asteroids, and, and, and it's a little spi- a spaceship, and there's all these balls coming at you, and you have to avoid them, and you shoot them, and you break them, so you don't let the asteroids get you. you know? Some of you say, oh, yeah, I remember those. Well, when you were so clobbered by asteroids all around, you're about to kill you. You're about in big trouble. One thing that you had, it was the hyperspace button. Right? And it would just shoot you out of that tr- trouble. You would be somewhere else in space, outside of all, away from all those troubles. 
Well, let me tell you this. When you feel like you're so far away from God's presence, oppressed by all the sin and the junk in your life, there's a button. It's not called hyperspace. It's called hypergrace. You just press that button. And immediately God takes you to that place at the cross where you can be forgiven. And today I want to invite you to come to that place as we close today. It's important then as we come today, we understand that when you're outside of the will of God, wondering if you can back can go back in. I will argue all day long. God's arms are wide open for you. God's arms right now are wide open for you. And if you want to come to Him, let this verse encourage you. Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Let this minister to you. This is what He says. In Him, in Christ, we were also chosen. Thus, the, the providential will of God, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. Listen, everything, everything in your life, the bad things especially, everything, in conformity with the purpose of his will. And we learn what is the purpose of his will, of his will for us to be sanctified, to be cleansed. God's will is not for you to stay forever outside of his moral will. Some of us, and I'm including myself, we struggle here. We kind of in and out. But as we put our, fix our eyes in Jesus, starting today, I believe we're going to be inside of those margins, between the lines, so we can learn that foundation of getting to know God's perfect, a perfect and personal will of God in your life. And if you bow your heads with me right now, I want to pray a blessing over your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, many of us this morning, Lord, we feel like we're in that dark theater, Lord God, and our eyes have adjusted so much to the darkness, Lord. Right now, I pray that your light will shine in each one of us. Father, for those that are listening, for those that are watching us, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Then they will see the light of your love, the light of your mercy, calling all of us that we struggle, Lord God, living outside of the moral will that you have for us. Thank you, Father, for your grace, for hyper grace, for your great love and blessing and anointing in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Father. And with your eyes closed and heads down as I, as I keep praying, and as you keep praying, maybe there's some of you that, that, that you say, you know what, Pastor Fernando, what you described as the sheep wandering and wandering away until they lift up their heads and realize, where am I? I'm lost. That's, that's me. That's me today. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I, I feel like I don't deserve God's love and God's grace. Friend, if that's you, you need to hear the good news. You see, God knew that. God knew all the mess, all the junk in your life. And at your worst, He sent His precious Son to die on the cross for you. And today, what you hear is not a message of condemnation, but it actually is a message of hope for your life. Then as bad as you have been, as, as, as dark uh, and, and as dangerous those places that you have been, Today you can be, today, today, you can be in paradise with Christ. 
as he promised to the thief in the cross. Today you can have intimate relationship with him. You're outside of the moral will of God, whatever it is. And today you're saying, I don't want to live there anymore. I want to turn. I want to take a 180 turn in my life. I want to take a complete U-turn. Go and be with Christ in the protective love of my shepherd. I want to be with my God, whatever it takes. If that's you today, with all our eyes and uh, uh, closed and heads down, if that's you today, would you please just raise your hand and say, yes, Pastor Fernando, that's me. I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. See, just raise your hands. There's so many hands on this side. God bless you. Other hands on this side. God bless you. There's other hands on this side in this section. Many hands. Amen. You can put your hands down. And let's just repeat this prayer. Putting your heart in conviction in this prayer. You're going to borrow my words. But you're going to put your heart in this prayer. Amen. Just repeat after me. Saying, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me. And for giving your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I recognize that I am a sinner. And that I need you as my Savior. So today I surrender my life. I give you everything in me. So please come and dwell in me. Make my heart your home. And change me. Restore me. And make me more like you. Fill me with your spirit. So I can follow your ways. Not because I have to. But because I want to. And because I love you. In the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people say. Amen.